keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis, and I am joined as always, crystal clear, high definition audio by Scott Chaplin. How are you, Scott? What's up, man? I'm doing well. I'm I'm always like inclined to say a catchphrase up top and and you go, don't do that shit. No, that was like a Dan always had like he had like nicknames for everybody and 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 all that other shit. Uh, that that's not us. Like, I do the shtick at the beginning, uh, but that's that's about it. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that, way to grind this show to a fucking halt. Ten seconds in. Um, but what a show to grind to a halt today. We got a lot of big stuff to talk about. We're going to talk full gear twenty twenty three. I want to talk. We got a little bit about the fallout from Raw and what it means for War Games, uh, and obviously we're going to talk Dynamite or Dud. But first, some housekeeping right at the top of the show uh, for the uh, for the Patreon. If you are a Patreon fan, Scott and I jumped on this past week to talk SmackDown, to talk Collision, and to talk this upcoming uh, Continental tournament nonsense thing with like one-eyed Brian Danielson and uh what what we think that's going to look like not knowing that we were going to dynamite with one-eyed to uh Takeshita so I guess like Tony just like bought an eye patch factory wait is that it was that from the video game we'll we'll get to that we will talk a lot about that what a wild choice to go oh it's in the video game so make it so you can't see out of one of your eyes at first that's the beauty of uh of tony <laughs> he just assumes like him and kenny get along really well i think because they know really like esoteric shit and just assume everybody's aware of it no i think kenny um he big brothers him tony thinks he's playing but the controller is unplugged that's fantastic i actually did i i uh, my kids were playing uh, WWE 2K23, and I was surprised how quickly like my son was like mashing buttons and was doing pretty good for a little while. Oh wow! So that was that was good on uh, good on him. Um, that that popped uh, Xavier you, Woods. Do you not let him play Fight Forever, or I, I I've I've played Fight Forever once, and I think the problem is, and I think this is just because I'm an old man. Like I've kind of figured out the controls for 2K23, what's grapple, what's strike, what's pin, and everything's different on on Fight Forever. So your brain just doesn't know what to do. It's oh, okay. like people who say baseball players can't switch over and go play golf because it's a totally different swing mechanism. Like your your muscle memory doesn't work as well. And I think for me as a lazy guy, um, the the muscle memory it takes to be able to play fight forever versus playing 2k23 
Yeah, I think my muscle memory what is more inclined to what Fight Forever was trying to do. Because I had to give up video games because my motor skills weren't good enough. Video games got too hard around 2006, and I just stopped doing them. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I loved... I was able to figure out, like, obviously, No Mercy. I thought it was the greatest game of all time. Uh, but, like, that and WrestleMania 2000, I was all about. When it came to that switch to PlayStation, and it was a different controller system, I was fine with uh, Madden. I could figure out Madden pretty well. I was able to do, like, the, I think it was, like, MVP baseball or whatever it was. Like, that was a blast. And Grand Theft Auto in college was was super fun. And, and people And we would all play, like, Tiger Woods, which I don't even know if they still make since he's been canceled like six times over. And then some of those games like the Call of Duty or Halo or anything, any of those things, I was just completely useless. Like I was a total jobber in those games. Like I'm the guy who's going to get shot first or blow himself up. I love how you somehow got it back to wrestling. I was a jobber in those games. Well, because that's, again, it's a shorthand for how to talk to people. I can't, I can't have you. I can't have normal conversations with people that I know are wrestling fans without it coming up, but so much so to the point that in my professional life over the years, I've taught coworkers to use words like kayfabe. Oh yeah. I mean, I say turned heel all the time. Like I'll, I'll be watching the news and, and I'll go, Oh my God, he turned heel. I can't believe it. Yes. Or, or, or gimmick is a catch all phrase or because of dusty uh, Furnham is the real word for gimmick. Fern. Oh yeah. No, but everybody knows gimmick. You're going to use Furnum. We got to get, we got to gimmick the Furnum. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, we can't just talk like normal fucking people. Um, and then it just comes out. But it would literally be, and it was, it was from my time in WWE where you would be in business meetings and someone would go, hey, can, can someone kayfabe the door? You're like, what is this world? Like executives using these expressions. Uh, so it just, it becomes a good shorthand, especially as an attorney, like in terms of telling someone to just like keep your fucking mouth shut. Kayfabe, a fantastic term. Also, because I realized I'm wearing it, a fantastic shirt uh, available at ProWrestlingTees.com. The hashtag Kayfabe shirt. Uh, I didn't even mean to turn that into a plug. It just it just kind of happened. The plug, where we were going with this, was the Patreon. Uh, the $5 tier, we talked SmackDown and Collision. $10 tier, something in sports entertainment with. I broke down Raw. We'll be back this weekend with, with some stuff. And, and you and I, Scott, we're going to have to talk scheduling. Because next week, dude, we're already at Thanksgiving. How is that even possible? Ooh, yeah, I know. What do we do? Well, my 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 pitch. I'm doing. I'm pulling a Dan. All the shit that used to drive me nuts when Dan was running this, where he would just start like spitballing live on the air, and we're just kind of like, I, I guess. Um, yeah, you realize this is the only time we all talk, and so that's the only time he well, could. No, do that's it. so that's total bullshit because eighty percent of my text messages are okay, the true. group chat, but we don't ever talk about anything. It's usually just like, <laughs> did anybody watch that Marty Jannetty dark side from six weeks ago? And then it yeah. just goes off on a tangent and there's like 60 text messages about it. But the, the point of the, the, the thing here is I feel like next week, what we'll probably do is we're going to have full gear to talk about. So we may record a little early. Cause I don't even know if there is a live dynamite the night before Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, there is. Of course there is. These guys, like, I think it's in, is it in Chicago? No, is it? No, because they're in California. They wouldn't do the. I oh, thought I thought oh, it yeah, was an annual. Do that? I thought it was an annual thing. Every night before Thanksgiving, they go to Chicago. Well, that's because like where Tony's family is, and it's 
son of a bitch. They'll be at the Wind Trust Arena. Uh-oh. Look in my eyes. First of all, how great is it that, like, CM Punk, now that all the dust has settled, he's just leaning into being such a fucking troll and just loves it. Like, posting graphs, uh, graphics of him as a devil, uh, posting little, like, hints about war games. He put the war games theme yeah, the up. the theme song. Yeah, war <laughs> Pigs, right? He's all yeah. like that, that's awesome. I I I'm I've now come full circle again on punk and I'm now back to the old I'm ready for that guy to be back. It's it's more but, fun a lot of times when he's there, not necessarily wrestling, but just, just talking and stirring shit up. It's fun. Yeah, he's the only one that when the show's over, you go online and go, Okay, they still got two hours of being in the building before everybody clears out. Is there gonna be a confrontation? Yes. Is Punk going to fight one of the security guards? Um, you know, what what's going to happen? But it's it's at least it's fun. Like I, I did enjoy on SmackDown. Shout out to Corey Graves. Uh, congratulations on the birth of your your child with Carmella. Um, Kevin Owens was on commentary for SmackDown and did the old wearing a necktie and just being fun and lively and goofy on commentary, which makes me think back to when Punk used to do commentary for WWE and how awesome that little run was. Yeah, he was he was fantastic at it. Oh, Grayson Waller actually um, posted a photo of himself doing commentary and then quoted um, the pipe bomb where Punk said, hell, even on commentary, right? Nobody can touch me. Hell, even on commentary. He like quoted that and I think yes. Punk sent like a gif of, you know, himself blushing or something. But um First time I think we've used the word yeah, blushing. I on will the say show. that. Now I got a question, though. Obviously, Survivor Series. Um, there's uh, an opponent that hasn't been named in the in the uh, War Games match, but the rumor is Randy Orton. Now, is Shinsuke still recording videos saying, "Hey, I'm going to fight somebody"? Does it yeah. seem like he will be fighting someone? Yeah, fuck it. Let's talk Raw now. We'll 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 open. Yeah, like, this is, never happens. We're opening with WWE. Yeah, we'll Only the Raw, largest- and then we'll do Dynamite. Right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. largest global company in the world, but you know, whatever. Um, on Raw, at the end of the show, Drew McIntyre officially aligned himself with Judgment Day. Whether it's an official, he's getting a cut of the merch revenue, we don't know. He shook Rhea Ripley's hand, so in Dan's mind, you know this is true. I like that Dan's not even here this week. Uh, he's under the weather, but it's like, we're we're just filling in the Dan gaps. Like He saw that, and he's just like, I would like to watch those two fuck. Like, you know, that was his first thought, right? A hundred percent. We now, we now like think like him. I don't know what the fuck happened. We used to be normal functioning people. And now we're all just like that, like on like Pritchard's show, when people always ask how big Batista's dick is. Now it's just like, you know what? I bet if Rhea Ripley and Drew McIntyre had sex, that'd be really athletic. Never something that I would have thought in my mind otherwise. So He's he's poisoned. Well, I think Rhea should have been in the War Games match. Is Rhea in it? No, Rhea's not, Rhea's wrestling Zoe Stark, which is See, I guess she should have been in the War Games match. How much cooler would that have been? Yeah, I I think you can't put her in the men's. Dude, her war her game. and Cody. Oh, I think she would have she killer visually? matches with all of them. Yeah, yeah, I think visually Cody's best opponent would be Rhea Ripley. I think it'd be a hell of a fun match. I think she would 
She would do well with him. She would do well with Sammy. You could get a lot oh, of Sammy would matches. be fun just because he could do the comedy, you know. Because it's tough because China physically matched up with the men, but she was, all due respect, rest in peace, terrible in the ring. I saw a live match with her and Jericho at a at a pay-per-view, and it was just really, really awful. Rhea is at a next level in the way that she wrestles and the way that she knows how to position herself and the way that she bumps. She would do great with a male opponent. We're just never, ever going to see it. Like it'll it'll never oh. happen. But what will theoretically happen now is Drew is going to wind up being involved in war games on the men's side, and and I touched on this on something to sports entertainment with, but I'll I'll, I'll lay it out here for you, Scott. Um, they really have three options here. The first option is you pull JD McDonough from the match. They just made him a full fledged member of Judgment Day. You pull him from the match. You replace him with Drew, and you go forward four on four. The second option is you add Drew as a fifth, and as a fifth man, you bring in Randy Orton. Like like you had said, like the fans have been speculating. The problem is Randy doesn't have a dog in this hunt. Like he's he doesn't have a reason to really give a shit. It's not like they were. I don't think Judgment Day is who took Randy out for the injury. I think it was Bloodline that got the credit for storyline wise writing randy out so i don't know that he has incentive to really get involved here and considering how fragile he is do you want to put him in a really violent match his his first go round here and then my third option and i'll get your you want to hear your thoughts on it would be you reach out to smackdown you bring over uh kevin owens it just seems a little expected right Kevin's suspended still. Is that the idea? Uh, no, he's not suspended. He's just, he was just, he didn't have anything to do on SmackDown. He's part of Friday Night SmackDown. Oh, yeah, but I thought the gimmick was he got suspended because he hit, um, because he wasn't supposed to touch Grayson Waller and he did. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they actually, I don't know if they went through with the suspension. You, you know more than I. Then the only other, other option, because they did have this guy interact with Dom with the Logan Paul stuff is Ricochet being the fifth man. But that would be a bit of a letdown because the audience has it so built up in their head that it's going to be Orton. Yeah, I think it, I think it will be Orton. Oh, but like I said, the, the Shinsuke situation is, um, is he still doing those threats where yeah, he, he did it this week. getting CM Punk references or no? I mean, so the internet has gone above and beyond with finding everything as a CM Punk reference. It's just, it's like the Da Vinci Code. There was a, a shot of Seth in the back, and you saw two stars on a door behind him. And like, oh, that's it. That's the that's the code. That's the key. I would be surprised if it was Punk Nakamura, just because, I don't know, that would, if only within the world of kayfabe, that would mean that Nakamura knows that Punk is coming back, and that that's why he's been calling him out. See what I'm saying? That's just kind of weird. Like, yeah, it's, not like I mean, he's, it's not like he's doing an open challenge where he's just like, you know, I am the the greatest. And I, I message this to the group, and again, just putting it out here, I feel like if Punk comes back, the very first interaction he has to have is with Paul Heyman. I think that Punk would be the guy 
the exception to the rule that I generally have of talking about he is the best in the world. He is an unbeaten, uncrowned world champion. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. In the same way Ric Flair came in years ago as the real world's champion and call out Heyman for the whole, you're calling Roman Reigns the greatest of all time, yet you were calling me the best in the world. You know, which one is it? And then you have a reason for why Punk is there. Yeah. Um, you know, perfect world. I'd want to heal Punk, right? But it's just not, it's not possible. He's going to get cheered, but heal Punk is always better. Yeah, but you can in get terms to heal story Punk line. You can get to heal Punk pretty quickly. And that, and that is true. I mean, within two weeks, you could get to heal Punk. That is true. But yeah, I, I like the Heyman idea. That's fun. I'm just really excited about heel Drew because Drew right now is just basically Bret Hart in 97. Okay. Does that mean he's going to go to AEW in a, in a year? Yes. He's going to go to AEW <laughs> and he's going to kicked in the head by Goldberg. <laughs> For real though. At uh, all in next year. <laughs> right. It'll be, it'll no knowing Tony, it'll be on rampage. <laughs> but yeah I think that no I think the trajectory here is let's heat up Drew as a top heel while also building this competition with Damian Priest because Priest on Raw was like you know had to uh, affirm that he was the leader of Judgment Day even though Rhea is really the leader and then Rhea's like all right you can you can lead the War Games team and I feel like if Priest fails at war games and he fails at cashing in the briefcase, they can kick him out and Drew can take his spot. Yeah, I like this idea. Either way, like, I feel bad for Seth. Seth is world champion. Technically makes a lot of sense. His matches have been really good, but he does not feel like the top guy. Even on Raw, it feels like it's Cody at the top, and then Jey Uso is kind of number two, and then and then Seth and Sammy are, are somewhere in that number three slot. Yeah, that's a that's an unfortunate fail. I mean, also Seth's been at the top longer than all of those guys, so it's just natural for people to not be as hyped on him. Seth has been on top for what feels like ten years now. It's been a long time, but in this most recent run, he had those matches with Nakamura, which were good, but kind of like Jay White, nobody thought Nakamura was going to win the title. So you're you're going along for the ride, and you know you're going to get good matches, but at the end of the day, you know what's going to happen. And he had that match with Drew that was a very good match, but we haven't gotten to the heart of what's going on with, with Seth. And I think once we get to Seth versus heel drew, that'll be fun for say a rumble. But for right now, he's just sort of a, a champion, but I wouldn't say he's the top guy on raw. Yeah. Seth feels like if they are going to sign a big name come January, February, that's who Seth might be facing come WrestleMania. That that title that Seth has, um, Roman feels very WWE. Seth still, it, it's because he shit talks. He used to shit talk on Twitter. 
feels like he has potential matches with guys like Will Ospreay and yeah. CM Punk because he does run his mouth. Um, Roman is such a company guy that bringing outside things to him feels a little strange because you go, he doesn't concern himself with that. He doesn't even live in that world. But yeah, like if Osprey shows up in January, you got to do Osprey versus Rollins at Mania for that title. If MJF shows up in January, yeah, you might have to do MJF versus Rollins at Mania. Which MJF still has like a full year, right? We don't know exactly what what his contract status is. They we we've talked about this before. The advertising they've been doing for upcoming shows in January and the advertising for All In does not have Max on those posters. Yeah. So either they're accepting of the fact that Max is going to be gone and they're trying to hedge their bets or they're trying to play into this storyline, which is pretty dumb because your goal is to sell tickets. Either way. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either way, it's it's weird, but I'm excited about the intrigue going into war games. I think the men's war games is going to be a blast. I think the women's war games with the new damage control and Kyrie and Asuka uh, and EO and Bailey, that's a hell of a group. I know Dakota's hurt, so she can't be in it, but like those four women being in that cage is going to be a blast. Yeah. 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 I, I said it on the Patreon, but that has like, you know, NXT great NXT match uh, potential. Yeah. I think it could be fun. And war games, they can be hit and miss. I mean, I think one of the things that worked, this is just me a little bit against war games for WWE is one of the bright spots of the war games in the last several years was Pat McAfee's performance in war games. And it's kind of tough when it's a celebrity, even though he's an athlete, like a celebrity coming in and doing all the cool spots kind of demystifies the, the war games gimmick, at least for me. And I can be very nitpicky on that. Sure. I mean, I think part of the uh, appeal to the uh, old war games to me is that it was a bunch of hosses in the ring every time they did it. Yeah. A bunch of guys who looked like they would get in bar fights and now they're inside a cage. It was all, you know, it all made sense. It does. And I think to me, having JD McDonough or Dom in that means those are the guys who are going to wind up tapping. Like in the same way they used to have JJ Dillon in the war games. Cause it's like JJ can submit. You can make JD McDonough tap. You can make Dominic Mysterio tap. Yeah. No there's really always a guy who doesn't belong in there. Who, who is, you know, should be protected in there. Who needs to take the pin in there. Exactly. It, it's you, you need a, a Brian cage in this. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Which is, and it's fine that they had that for the, for the men's side. Um, but oh, yeah. you know, that's, that's war games. That's coming up uh, in in two weeks' time. That'll be the the Thanksgiving tradition, or uh, or whatever. Um, but uh, before we get to to dynamite, since we just talked about war games, I may as well make this announcement here. Um, I, I've talked a little bit about on on the Patreon before and teased that I was working on a a new a new project, a new endeavor that I was going to be able to talk about. And today, I'm finally able to talk about it. Uh, starting on November 27th, uh, Monday, uh, I will be hosting a daily video podcast with friend of the show, Nick Hausman, 
as part of ad-free shows and podcast heat. It's going to be a 30-minute video podcast at noon. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on the WW Creative-ish Twitter account, all the ad-free shows accounts. It'll be posted later as a video and as an audio podcast. Uh, it's a daily 30 minutes. We get into the news. Think of it like PTI. Think of it like Pat McAfee show. Uh, the name of this new show is Rumor and Innuendo with myself and Nick Hausman. I hope you guys will will support that. It will in no way, shape, or form affect what we're doing here in WrestleRoast. It's just sort of expanding our footprint in the Conrad Cinematic Universe. So really excited for that. I'll have some more information about that later. Uh, Sports Illustrated is going to be technically breaking that story. I know it comes out, that, that article comes out today, but... I got to tell the Forbidden Dorks uh, first and foremost. So our first episode is going to be that Monday after Survivor Series. And I think it's going to be a blast. Or at the very least, as Dan said, it'll be slightly less embarrassing than watching Meltzer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. I'm hyped on it. It'll make this podcast more interesting, too, because you're going to be getting daily details. Uh, You're going to you're going to know a little more. I'm going to try to get a little more out of you, maybe. You might become friends with CM Punk. Or you might find out that Houseman uh, was never talking to CM Punk. And in I, fact, it was Ace Steel the whole time. I'm actually Ace Steel. That's going to be the big reveal. Um, I, I can I can bite through solid wood like you wouldn't believe. It's uh, it's really remarkable. Um, that's, why, that's why I'm always so anti-Tony Khan. I'm pissed that he fired me for biting... Kenny it was bullshit. But yeah, speaking, I'm, I'm hyped for you. Very no, it's fun. Gonna be, it's going to be awesome. And and look now, now all of us have uh, a, a second, a second project, a second show. Uh, Dan with the uh, the it couple, which I know is on temporary hiatus. Uh, Mike has uh, Bubkiss, which I guess is is something uh, slightly more notable. And and you've got. I always want to Alper say Alper Smokes. Smokes. There yes. we go. Thank you for setting me up for it. It's not that you forgot it. No, no, no. It wasn't that. The pro- I, I've admitted this a hundred times. You had garbage days and now you have out for smokes yeah. and my brain like time travels. And I never remember which is the one that you, you were doing before and which is the one you're doing now. Um, yeah, I, 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 I have the same thing with Miro and Rusev. Or Big Show and Paul. Basically, we're both just Jim Ross. We still call him Cesaro. We still say Big Show. It's still Dean Ambrose. Speaking to of me, the Big Show. Speaking let, of the let's Big talk Show. Talk about the Big Show this past Wednesday in AEW Dynamite. The All well, it's not the Go Home Show because Collision, I guess, is technically the Go Home Show. So this is a thing I wanted to touch on at the very top of the of this here. Full Gear is on Saturday. Saturday yeah. is when they typically air. Uh, collision and it's a in my opinion a huge gamble moving that show off of saturday night because we know the ratings have been a little soft and in its place they're airing the movie grown-ups and if grown-ups pulls a better rating than collision what is the incentive for for tnt going forward to give up this time slot uh yeah, that's an interesting point. I don't know. 
you know, when Raw used to get preempted. Saturday Night Television in terms of ratings is is a big head scratch anyway. It is, but it's like when when WWF used to get preempted for the dog show or for US for US Open coverage, that was because there were contractual relationships in place. And the dog show was because one of the executives at USA personally just loved the Westminster Kennel Club dog show, not because it did a better rating. And when Raw would not be on, unless it was like a hot US Open final, Raw was still doing as good or better ratings. If I'm TNT and I see, look, just airing an old Adam Sandler movie is getting me better ratings than Collision, then fuck it. I'll just stick with Collision. Oh, sorry. I'll stick with Adam Sandler. Or either way, you you might get a Paul White cameo. Damn it. That's a fuck. That's a really good joke. Uh, uh, anyway, Dynamite this week from somewhere in California. Uh, open with uh, Hook and Orange Cassidy versus... John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta. Shout out to John Moxley who saw Mike uh, Lawrence on their flight that morning. And no, 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 no. Mike Lawrence saw John Moxley. John Moxley did not see Mike Lawrence. Oh, John Moxley definitely. Saw... Everybody on the plane at one point looked over at Mike Lawrence and were like, "Are we? Are we going to be okay?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mike did tell us that he saw from Cincinnati to L.A. Right? Yes, from Cincinnati to L.A. And it was probably confusing to Moxley to to see what a, a full audience looked like. Don't get mad at me. That was Mike's joke. I'm just poorly delivering it. Uh, yeah, so this was the opening tag match. Uh, Yuta got the win over Hook with the, the seatbelt pin, which was a little surprising. I get you want to give Moxley momentum going into his match with Orange. I don't love beating Hook because he's been something special. And I don't necessarily love Yuta being the one beating Hook. Uh, I agree, unless it leads to a Wheeler and Hook singles match where Hook wins. I think we need to focus more on Hook as a singles. I know initially they were kind of hiding his ability. Can he go for a long match? We're not even sure, right? But we do know that what when we do see him, the movements he makes are really cool. Uh, and he seems to be capable. He definitely seems to be pretty capable. He's been at it for... It's going to be like three years now. A couple of years now. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, he needs like a legit singles match that I can go, oh, that. Because all he's had is Jungle Boy, the Jungle Boy match. And, and, and that wasn't anything really special. And it was like a hardcore match. I don't know. So, it was pretty special. You know, it's Real glass and stuff. <laughs> dude, it single-handedly ended CM Punk's career. It's a pretty special match. Yeah, yeah. But, you yeah. know, it didn't show any, like, in-ring ability. And I think the idea of Hook and the way he – the gimmick of his wrestling ability matches Wheeler's actual wrestling ability. And so they should be able to, after three years of Hook doing this, have a competent match that makes Hook look like a legit wrestler. Yeah. So that's uh, what you hope we get out of this. And Hook beating Yuta. Yeah, no, Hook would have to beat Yuta. Uh, as much as I, as much as I'm in the bag for for Wheeler, Hook is the guy that they really have something special with if they can harness that going forward. A guy I'd love to see Hook show if he can go with uh, would be the guy in the next segment, which is Swerve. I feel like Swerve would get a lot of good stuff out of Hook. Instead, we got a Swerve Hangman promo where the the rules were 
if either man touched the other man, they would be suspended for the rest of the year and they would lose out on the full gear Texas death match. Uh, what did you think of this segment? I really enjoyed it. I mean, maybe as a heel, you just go attack hangman and then you don't have to be in a match and you get to take off the rest of the year, but that's like too critical and obnoxious. I think the segment did what it was supposed to do. Uh, which was have Hangman kind of on top in terms of insults. Uh, he's the right guy. He also went a little too far, right, in acknowledging that Swerve's fiance left him and his kids don't talk to him anymore. The you know these little too far moments that wrestling does weekly now, uh, but it did work. And I don't know. I like the segment. I love the segment. I love the moment of. Um, he told Prince Nana that he like takes his money to buy weed from high school kids and he's going to beat him up and take his weed. Cause at first I'm like, what you're going to tell him he takes, he buys weed from high school kids. But then he said, I'm going to beat you up and take your weed. I thought that was fun and a different spin on uh, what we're used to hearing. So yeah, I really liked this segment. What did you think? Oh, and then Hangman beat the shit out of uh, Nana because he couldn't touch Swerve and then Swerve had to stand there because Swerve couldn't attack Hangman. And I'm fine with that. That's pro wrestling. It was good. Yeah. Um, and I want to see, dude, I've been wanting to see this match. And, and I wanted to see it when they did it at the last pay-per-view. And it was great then. This has been a this has been a, a really good feud. The problem with, with AEW and a lot of feuds for guys like Hangman and Swerve and this this lower tier that's not in the in the championship picture is you go, all right, and then this is the match to make them go even further. But there's, like, nowhere for them to go. It's just more great matches, you know? I mean, unless they're competing for a title, the next thing is just another feud and another great match. And so where does Hangman go after this? I don't know. I think he needs to win the match. But at the same time, I want Swerve to be, like, the next champ in in, in a – you know, maybe come summer or something. We'll get to predictions later. But, but yeah, yeah, I think as far as the segment goes – can we stop bringing up guys losing their fiancés? Like, first Max, then Swerve. All my friends yeah, apparently admit, that get engaged. Hey, can we admit that that's very common and it's actually just – it's it's you're cooler if that happens, actually. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would agree. It makes you normal. Yes. It makes you normal if so, your girl loses. Yes, the only, two, <laughs> the only two friends I was thinking of about this were obviously Max and Swerve and no one else. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to bring up because – then it, it becomes less about like, oh, Swerve is this twisted fucking guy who's messing with Hangman's kids. And instead it's like, oh, Shane, like Shane's going through some stuff, man. Like cut him some slack. He Maybe he just needs to like, you know, chill out and smoke some of Nana's weed. Amen. But, uh, Kingdom are in the back. So I was already ready to fast forward. And they uh, they call Adam Cole to say that they know who the devil is and that the devil is MJF just it was cute it was fine i will say this i do not mind the uh the video phone call to the monitor it works for me uh i think wrestling does like a really bad job of introducing technology into storylines and something about streaming a phone to a monitor i'm fine with it yes it feels like space ghost coast to coast whenever they do this sure and also you know that is true that's that's great but um you know, Adam Cole's positioning is also every time they cut to the devil when he like turns his head down and stares, it's a similar positioning, which is kind of, you know, guy in front of his monitor streaming, uh, you know, the newest whatever game. I don't know the games. I don't even know the games to make the joke. I'm getting uh, older. 
I don't know the games. Thanks, Marin. The fuck was it? You suddenly started channeling, uh, channeling Mark Marin. Anyway, I had my <laughs> old man moment because the very next match, which was a match to determine who gets to face the TNT champion, was Sky Blue and Red Velvet. And in my brain, I was like, wait a minute. Didn't we just see this last week for a chance at the TBS title? Uh, but no, that was uh, Julia Hart versus Red Velvet for a chance at Chris Statlander. And then this week it was Sky Blue against Red Velvet for a shot at Chris Statlander for a triple threat. Why? Why, Scott? Why did this happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not happy about the triple threat idea. It's not it, a triple threat. You're beating the same, like both girls have to beat the same woman in order to get the shot. Sure. Oh, dude, I didn't even notice that. That's how, um, you know, unfocused my my thoughts are on that. But wow, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the women's division has a, has a real issue with that. I mean, the men's division too, but with this idea of these people are going to compete for a chance at the championship. And then like a week later, someone who lost that chance is competing for the championship. Uh, yeah, no, damn, I- yeah, that's really dumb. I hate when they also just give random guys title matches. On an unrelated note, the next segment's about Danny Garcia. Um, so Miro cuts this killer promo about how he's going to basically murder Daniel Garcia because Garcia talked to CJ Perry. And it was all cool, except Miro was wearing some goofy Street Fighter shirt. And I don't know if it's one of the Street Fighter AEW shirts, whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's his shirt. I think it's him it just, as a Street Fighter guy. But it's like it's a it's a combo thing, Street Fighter and yes. AEW. It's too goofy for like the seriousness of the, you know, I am the redeemer and I'm going to murder you, but also check out my cool video game inspired t-shirt. <laughs> no. Uh, um well that's gonna happen on collision. That Daniel Garcia match. And yeah. Daniel Garcia just fought Andrade and lost on on Collision. Andrade is now quote unquote going to be you know managed by CJ Perry. So I guess this is a way to further that storyline. But damn, that's like three major losses for Daniel Garcia. So I guess the storyline with him moving forward has to be I got to stop dancing. I got to get serious, which is like four guys storylines. But hey. That's a storyline with all of us in life, right? At some point in your life, you go, God damn, I got to stop dancing and get serious. No, you're and so to this is Daniel Garcia's to... moment to have that. You <laughs> dance like no one's watching, which is why he dances on Rampage. <laughs> uh, RJ City is in the back with the new the new girl. Her name is Maria or something. What's her name? Oh, hey, I liked this. They knocked No, I do. I like it. I just don't remember her name. Uh, yeah, I don't remember either, brother. Uh, anyway, so stage an M, right? It's I thought it was like whatever it is. They have her go and talk to Tony Storm. Uh, everything goes to black and white. It was really yes. Cute. They knock on the door, funny. and when the door opens, it goes to black and white, like Reverse Wizard of Oz. Mariah, Mariah May. Mar- yeah, Mariah. I was close. I said Maria. It was Mariah. Um, yeah, I like the I like that gimmick. It's fun to see Mike's favorite Doctor Luther get something to do. And yeah, Tony Storm's awesome. And this is actually a character storyline in uh, in the women's division. So I'm all in favor of it. And and even better, Sheeta didn't have to appear and cut a promo. Because she is not very good at that. I'm sure she'll be on Collision. I'm sure she'll cut a 20-minute promo on Collision just to mess with me. I'm sure she'll defend the title on Collision before she fights Tony. Well, no, Tony asked for a tune-up match. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
So I'm just like, what? Uh, Samoa Joe fought some nobody, which is great. Hey, like, that nobody made the most out of it, though. That when he did, did the dive and Joe walked away, he did like the why? Like he questioned it. Oh, yeah. No, it's look, Joe is yeah. one of those guys. I I enjoy watching him squash jobbers. It's a blast. It's he's just so good at it. He sells it so well. And the whole point of this match was Rune to be able to cut a promo after. And he cuts the promo, basically reiterating the offer to Max that he's his only friend. And, you know, eventually all roads lead to Joe. Yes. Joe's awesome. The next match, Penta and Commander against the Young Bucks. Scott, I'm going to let you take this one. This match. Wow. Kickstart my heart and other 80s hits. This had it all. I loved this. It was just nonstop action. Here's one thing I will say. I almost felt bad for Ray Phoenix because I thought uh, Commander did such a good job as Penta's partner. Yeah. I thought this was a really fun tag match. My, my biggest my biggest negative on this, this tag match is how are Jericho and Omega at all going to have um, – at as much of a fun i mean that match was fun as hell moments that you know little things i've never seen yeah it wasn't like technically amazing yeah they get up quicker than they should from certain moves uh all the typical complaints about lucha style matches but wow i mean from everything we had up until this point it was like i mean truly like your heart rate was just different i i, I was crazy about this match really the only negative was Oh no, you idiots! You you cannot top this in California this weekend. That was literally what I wrote. The two takeaways I had was it's weird that you can just replace Ray Phoenix with another mask guy, and Penta is just like, yeah, I got this. We'll we'll make it work. And they knocked out. it out of the park. Man. And then I was like, oh, no, Yo, they, no, no, act like you might this, act like you need Ray. Act like you need him. No kidding. And then the second piece of this <laughs> I had was there's no way the Bucks are gonna have a better match with uh, Jericho and Kenny than they did with, with Penta and commander. Like this was just, Oh, and I hate the bucks and this was a lot of fun. So sure, this totally sure. now was it now was it after? Well, Oh, by the way, we got a, the main reason that they quote unquote one was that they kicked uh, both guys in the penis. Therefore, and their hometown crowd booed them for doing so. So they are letting everybody know that their heels or at the very least they'll do anything to win. And so now they're going into this match this coming weekend. They had a backstage confrontation with Jericho and Kenny. right after this, yeah. Yeah, where they shove, you know, they tell Kenny, hey, we like you, but we're going to beat the shit out of Jericho. Uh, at least we'll get that storyline in the match. But yeah, obviously this match shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Um, well, you just covered the next segment. So then it was the guns against Peter Avalon and Jacoby. Household names anywhere in the world. Uh Obviously, we love Peter Avalon for existing. He is like a shrunken down version of QT Marshall. Guns squashed them pretty quickly to then cut a promo. So pretty much exactly what you just got a couple segments earlier with Samoa Joe. But here with the guns, this was just, it was fine. Yeah, I liked it. Felt like a cut segment from like a video game. Yeah, I think, you know, that final week going into a pay-per-view, I really think that's what most things should be. It should be um, 
you're seeing fire in a from a guy who's going to be on the pay-per-view. He kills a guy on the show, grabs the mic, explains about how you thought that was bad. Wait till you pay for the pay-per-view. You know, you thought that was violent. Wait till I fight the main guy I'm angry at at the pay-per-view. Right. You're you're establishing that the and guns that's what are we got this whole shit. Yeah. You're establishing the guns are killers. If Max goes at this alone, he's going to get squashed pretty quickly. But then you kind of have to think from a again a logic standpoint. Why does Max give a fuck about the Ring of Honor tag titles? Like he's got to worry about being world champ. That is what is most important. To even risk your health to go compete, even in a tag match, the Ring of Honor tag titles is just goofy and weird. It, it symbolizes his friendship with Adam. If he if he loses it, he the friendship has floundered. It has gone stale. It is no longer. I don't know. You get it. You're trying. I love it. Uh, speaking of things they're trying, Wardlow in the back cuts in our video package, another promo of Max. I'm coming for you to remind you that MJF is being uh, assailed on all sides from people who are trying to take uh, his championship. And then as soon as the promo ends, it cuts to the devil. Uh, the devil himself could not save us from the next match, which was Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Chris Jericho, and Paul White versus Hobbs, Kyle Fletcher, Brian Cage and Kenoshke Takeshita in a what was a very serious, intense, month-long blood feud turned into a Sega Genesis game promotion involving Chris Jericho using a crate as a weapon for like 10 straight minutes. Uh, at one point, Kota Ibushi was riding a bicycle and just as we had predicted, Paul White was involved in a spot with Hobbs where Hobbs was supposed to slam him through a car and almost missed the car. And the look <laughs> on Paul White's face when he landed and slid off, he was so fucking pissed. It was almost worth sitting through this entire match. What'd you, what'd you think of this duct taped uh, situation here, Scott? Oh, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. There was a lot in this. There was a uh, lot. Yeah. Okay. So, who? Where do we start? I will say this. The suits. I think. Um, what do you think? Brian of the suits? Cage. Yeah, Brian Cage was not supposed to be in this match. Uh, Sammy Guevara is her or on pregnancy leave. I, I'm not even sure at this point, but he's he wasn't there. He was supposed to be there, and so they get Brian Cage. Um, other than a few months ago, I think Callis used him for something. There's really no connection, right? Brian Cage was the best part of this match to me. Well, none of the other the other connection that they brought up halfway through was when they were like, "Oh yeah, Brian Cage and Hobbs were in a tag team together under you, Taz," and then oh, they like, wow, and that. then they turned on each other, and then they just, and then immediately someone was like, "Yeah, but now they're good." Like it was such a weird like. Let's not bring up the fact that these guys were in essentially a blood feud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that Kenny and Brian Cage had a great match in this match. Every time they fought, I was blown away to the point where I, I want Brian Cage in the in the Continental uh, Tournament. What is that? What is this tournament called? I'm I want him. Actually, look it up, dude. I want. I I I love Brian Cage. I don't think they use him uh, really at all. And this tournament can do good for him. And again, he's a base for guys to work on. But what I saw with him and Kenny was so good. I was crazy about it. I thought Kyle Fletcher did a really good job in this match. I thought Will Hobbs messed up a bit. 
I think Jericho messed up a bit. I think the big show was absolutely useless. And I think Kota Ibushi messed up almost every single spot he was involved in. The bump Um, he took off of the bicycle looked fucking terrifying. Like he he, landed right on his neck. Okay, so when he hopped on the bicycle, you know, one, it's he's riding the bike real slow. He's gently tapping guys with this pipe. He's tapping them, and and it's really stupid. But Brian Cage knocked him right off of it, and Abushi lands on his neck. That looks cool. And the use of the bike inside of the ring, you're right. That was deadly. The way Abushi landed on it, that was like a that was a big spot for me where I went, wow. Even uh, Kyle Fletcher. Pile driving Abushi outside of the ring. I was like, oh my goodness, what a moment. But then again, because Abushi is constantly messing up in this match, Kenny goes to get something towards the outside of the ring, and Abushi is already recovering from it. And so Abushi helps Kenny, like give he gives Kenny weapons after taking this violent move that Fletcher gave him, and Fletcher is still laying on the ground. Abushi messed up like 10 times in this match. And of course, moment- did, by the way, Scott, I love that. This is the week they chose to sign Kota Ibushi. I know, I know. There's a moment where him and Kenny do this double team together. I forget what it's called. It's named after um, like a, a a moment in a video game, actually. But they do this thing where like they pretend to put swords at their sides and then they run uh, past each other and they both do backflips outside of the ring. There was like a 30 second pause of Kota not knowing what to do. And he's just staring at Kenny and then he gives Kenny the thumbs up. Just a bunch of moments where it was obvious. Oh, compliment. Because, again, I thought there was a lot of really, like, major moments that looked cool in this match. I just think as a whole, it, it didn't piece together because mainly Coda looked very confused. And, again, like, Big Show served no real purpose. Uh, duct tape spots always end up failing because you can't actually tie duct tape around a guy's face without really trying for, like, a full minute. Yeah. And so you're sitting there, like failing at, at tying a guy up that happens every match with a guy getting tied up. So yeah, really cool moments. Um, but sprinkled with like huge fails, huge fails. I think to me, the, the biggest fuck up for them was Kenny cutting his hand on the bottle. He cut his hand, he cut his head. He, uh, yeah, there was a few moments because the spots were the, but the bottle spot, and the the cage outside the ring spot uh, where he went through the two tables where Kenny is like just all sliced up going into this match on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, this this should have been the match on the pay-per-view. I'm sorry. Like you. you oh, built- also, the commercial breaks made this confusing because it's already confusing because they're already around the arena so much and you're confused. Now you got to deal with a fucking Domino's ad. So that's where I was going with that. Like you you could have saved this for the pay-per-view. Where you had a payoff established of this feud, but there was a moment that the match was building to, which was the first time Jericho was in the ring with Hobbs since Hobbs basically killed him a couple weeks ago. And that confrontation happened during the commercial break. Oh, wait. And I got to tell you about about this confrontation. I don't know if this was during the commercial break or not. I don't think it was. No, because I heard commentary. There was a few moments where the commentary team had to stop what they were saying because someone in the match went against the logic of the match. And so the commentary team would be speaking logically and then go, oh, ne- never mind. Like, so Hobbs and Jericho are hitting chairs at each other. Yes. Hobbs is wearing gloves. Jericho isn't. They're having a chair tournament and Hobbs act like his hands are more stunned than Jericho's. And they have to, and, and Taz is, is about to say, 
Jericho's not going to win this interaction. He can't. And then Jericho wins the interaction and Taz had to just stop talking. There's like so many moments in this match where they had to stop talking and go like, oh, I guess Abushi um, defies logic because he's just standing in the corner when a guy uh, pierced his heart 10 seconds ago. It's so it's so weird because they've spent so much time building the Don Callis family on TV. And then I think the the most damning part of this beyond anything else is during the match, they acknowledge that Jericho beat Takeshita at DDT over the weekend. Yeah, great match in DDT. Um, it's a great match, but we talked about it on the Patreon. It's like that yeah. match served no purpose because the whole idea is Jericho is in self-doubt because he couldn't beat Hobbs. Takeshita is part of this unstoppable heel force. And then they casually mention at one point, oh, yeah, uh, Takeshita lost over the weekend at Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote down the moment they mentioned it. It was, yeah, it was like closer to the end of the match. Yes, while they were when brawling Takeshita like and outside. Jericho were fighting backstage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's a bummer because even Jericho Online is saying this was the best match I've had this year and there were no highlights of it. Now, I don't know if that's – because I've seen them show DDT images on the show. I don't know if that's New Japan and and AEW's relationship where it's like, hey, if people can see Jericho and DDT in Japan, why are they going to see Jericho in New Japan in Japan? I don't know. But, yeah, huge failure. So A lot of really dumb there. moments. But it did do this for me. It made me want to see Omega versus Brian Cage really bad. It that's made the, me excited for the tournament. That is but, the weirdest takeaway. But again, it, and that's the problem. If you don't give us these things that we want to see, we're going to be mad. And so we don't want this Jericho um, Omega tag team. We saw them beat up, beat everybody. They get the pin and now they're going to go into this young, young bucks match and they got to lose. They got to, because the things we want um, are not what you're giving us. Well, what they gave you in the main event was an MJF promo that, to me, highlighted the problematic nature of this current babyface turn. What has made MJF as a fake babyface so wildly entertaining is the winking, the whole, like, I'm in on the joke with you guys. Let's all pretend that this is what it is, but we all know deep down, like, I'm a piece of shit. This was a completely earnest babyface promo that, didn't feel all that spectacular. It was, you know, I'm at the top of the mountain and everybody's coming for me and I'm sorry about what happened to my friends. And we've been making excuses week after week of let's see what the payoff is. Let's see what ultimately happens and then we can look back. But the crowd just was almost bored by an MJF promo. And then it got worse when Jay White came out because Jay White said absolutely nothing. And then it was get him. And then the Bullet Club Gold beat down Jericho to end the show, which felt like such a generic mid-2000s John Cena main event situation that it was, it to me, felt completely flat. Yeah, so my issue with this, and, and I've been debating this in my head ever since it ha- happened. I'm sitting there going, Samoa Joe wants him to be his partner why don't you make the safe now so you let him know like and one it ends the show on 
everybody freaking out unlike what this was which is not a great way i mean let's be honest a lot of people aren't going to watch collision on friday so this is the last show people are watching before the pay-per-view when is collision on friday is it head to head with smackdown or is it after head to head with smackdown head to head with smackdown yeah no yeah it's been planned like the whole year to be this way but yeah and um but i think uh but at the same time if joe came out to save him joe gets a a face pop you also don't get that story you know they want people to tune in because the the samoa joe match that tag match the thing that the thing that they ended dynamite on was is samoa joe gonna help mjf come sunday that's like really the point of it yeah um and that's something that's going to be on youtube uh on saturday not even on the pay-per-view and so they want people to tune into the youtube show so they will hopefully buy the pay-per-view after watching the youtube show is it the smartest move i don't know that was the goal though yeah so we may as well get to it now we'll talk we're going to talk full gear we'll get some quick predictions and then do high spot low spot call us today Mm -hmm. uh the uh the pre-show match is the ring of honor world tag championship match it's the guns against mjf and fill in the blank uh joe the only person who logically can come out here the stipulation is if joe helps Max, then Joe gets a world title shot. Um, My guess is, yes, Joe winds up coming out and helps MJF retain the tag titles here. Um, Yes, I agree. Whether they set that up on collision or the moment MJF comes out, Joe is definitely helping him. Joe is going to act like, you know, and then you're going to have that idea of whenever Cole comes back, Hey, who does this belong to? This part of the tag titles. Does it belong to Joe or Cole? Um, also, Joe gets his title shot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All the more be- reason I wish Joe still had the Ring of Honor TV title. I think those two guys with four belts looks cool. Um, Hikaru mm-hmm. Shida versus Timeless Tony Storm. This has got to be Tony Storm, right? Got to be. Got to be. I mean, it makes me question why Shida beat Soraya, but. I'm not mad at it. I was happy when Sheeta won, but yeah, it's Tony. And Soraya has been off TV for a while, so maybe she's hurt again. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and you know, Mariah maybe will help her, right? That That's a way to get her into her good graces. We'll see. Yeah. She can be her, her PA. Um, Sting, Darby Allen, Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage. Lucia, sorry, Sting, Darby Allen, Adam Copeland with Ric Flair versus Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne in a match that was completely non-existent on Dynamite. I know, but it was the main, you know, the main event of Collision was Edge, Sting, and Darby. Oh well, then then there's that. Um, where they beat? Yeah. Didn't they beat? Uh, they beat Lance Archer and, uh, and, right, and the right, righteous. And the righteous. Yeah. Uh, Nick Wayne to me is the odd man out as the guy who can get beat. So I don't see Adam Copeland losing this match, but who knows? Yeah, th- I mean, the only thing I could think, if you want to make it interesting is someone pins Sting, and then there's the question of um, does Sting still have it? Because Sting does eventually have to tell uh, a story that I think is a single story. And so a way to get there is Sting gets pinned and blows it for for this comeback of Edge and Darby because at the end of Collision, Edge raised Darby's hand, and Sting kind of looked over like, oh, you don't you don't need me? Whether it's you don't need me and now I'm going to leave or you don't need me, Edge is your mentor and I'm jealous. They are trying to tell something. I say let Sting get the cover, uh, get uh, lose 
It just I, makes shit more interesting and adds more angry at Christian. I don't want Christian losing. I think Christian is so fun. Just like let him continue to win so he can continue to be more arrogant. I say have Ric Flair turn on Sting and set up Sting versus Ric Flair because – Oh, my God. And Ric Flair be like – Ric Flair act like Christian's son. Like to literally – if Christian calls Ric Flair's son, how funny would that be? It, it would be amazing. If only and Ric Flair is like Christian is like the father I never had. The one thing I needed was a, was a father figure, and Ric Flair never got that. <laughs> well, because Ric Flair, <laughs> Ric Flair's remember, father figure. Well, Ric Flair was adopted. Dude, let us do this. Please, let's let's, let's you know what? There it is. Fuck it. Let's make Dude, it happen. Heal Ric Flair. It's already there. We don't want Ric there. Let him stand next to Christian. Like this man is a role model. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this man so is a role model, funny. and my brother. Luchasaurus is a dinosaur. Because <laughs> yeah. in his head, like that would just make sense. Like he's so fucked up in the brain that, like, yeah, of course, my brother's a dinosaur. That that's how you get the you. That's how you get these little these little boys without fathers under your wings. You say, hey, look, I got a dinosaur. You like dinosaurs? I got a dinosaur. And then all the little boy. It's a Pied Piper situation. Well, that's but how like, they lured Nick Wayne over. Yep. He he said, oh, you like brontosaurus? And he goes, yeah. Wow. Orange Cassidy, really good shit. We look, we're booking better than fucking Tony at this point. Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley for the AEW International Title. You can't take the title off Orange this quickly, can you? No, Orange needs to see red. This this is the match. He needs to take out the chainsaw and just fucking take off one of Moxley's legs and pin him. He really. He, this is the moment where the commentary team needs to go. Oh my god, did Orange Cassidy go too far? You need to hear that. You need to see like shock from the commentary team in terms of how far Orange is going uh, to to beat Mox. Now, the only issue with this is you have a Texas Death match. Which is the next match on the list. Uh, I was just there. We say, go. Yeah, but anytime you have a Mox match on a card, you go, "Oh, I guess we're going to see a bunch of blood." And then you go, "Wait, we have a uh, we have a murder match after though. How's that going to work?" But see, it will. Now, now I want him and Moxley to team up as Blood Orange. Ooh, I like that. All right. Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland in a Texas death match in California. Bloodstains turn orange, right? Isn't that isn't that something? Bloodstains turn orange. That should be something that Cassidy says. I don't know. All right. There you go. Texas death match. Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana. Um yeah, Swerve needs the momentum if he's gonna be, you know, the the champ. The only way in which I can see Hangman winning here, and it makes sense, is if Nana accidentally costs Swerve the match. Ooh. Yeah. But also, if if Hangman had his, his home violated and Swerve literally like cut a promo on his baby and Swerve still wins, Hangman's got to be done. That's the problem. It's again why I don't like when guys go into guys' houses and storyline because you just go this the person whose uh whose you know child was looked over while they were asleep like that guy needs to win. And if he loses, that's a huge stain. It's not just a loss. That's like he's a bad father. He's not ser- you know, it it's it just makes things annoying because Swerve should win this. But if Hangman loses because of the stakes that were put into the storyline, if Hangman loses, he looks like a chump. But Swerve needs to win. Yeah, it's a it's a real 
and, and again, it's, it's only because they got the kid involved. If they didn't get the kid involved, I go swerve, and then you figure out where both guys go, but they're both great. Yeah. But you got the kid involved, and now Heyman's got to win. Yeah, he's got to win because you can't do him going nuts again. We've already seen it. We've seen like how dark Hangman Page can get, and then it never really goes anywhere. Uh, Golden Jets versus the Young Bucks for the most coveted thing in AEW, a chance at an opportunity somewhere down the road to potentially maybe challenge for the tag titles. Uh, also, if the Golden Jets lose, they can never be a tag team again. So for the sake of Scott's sanity, I'm going to assume that the Young Bucks win by cheating to pin Chris Jericho, and now Jericho is going to be mad at Kenny for still being friends with guys who punched him in the wiener. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, this is actually what I think might happen, and it makes me bummed out, and it shouldn't, but it's just it's an issue with one specific person at the moment. Um, I think Bucks win by cheating, and I think instead of getting the Kenny Singles one, a run we want, I think the reason we're not getting a Kenny Singles run is because um, he's getting older and he's way more injury, not prone. We knew he was injured, but he was out for a while healing. I think the healing is not what we think it is. I think it's very hard for him to do what he does, and he always gives it 100%. And so he really hurts himself when he goes out there. But that being said, I think he is going to remain doing tag teams. I don't think he's going to be a part of this sweet, sweet tournament. And so I think when the Bucks beat him, instead of getting this Bucks title run, and maybe we get a Bucks title run, what we're really going to get is Kenny teaming with Coda. So we get the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and while it's interesting, my issue is, one, I want an Omega singles run, and two, Coda cannot do it. Like, it's not just the physical. He's not Whether he's not paying attention at the moment, I don't know what's going on, but he's been in three matches in AEW so far, and every match he's looked confused. It's not just, oh, he's he's healing from an injury. It's... Is he not listening when the guys are talking through the match in the back? Like, what the fuck is happening that he genuinely looks like he just landed five minutes before they went out there? Now is a good time to ask, because you were talking about, you know, like Coda's out in the fucking wilderness and now Tony signs him. Uh, Tony is teasing because whenever he's completely creatively bankrupt, this is all he can go to. He's teasing that he made a major signing with a, a recognized wrestling talent that AEW fans are going to know. Who do you think it's it's going to be? There's a bunch of candidates that folks have been suggesting. Uh, who do you think is going to be Tony's surprise signing? Um, now, I have heard that a lot of those people that were fired in September after the TKO situation, or was it right before TKO? Uh they still can't compete, right? That 90-day, like Dolph Ziggler, because I would say Dolph Ziggler. Um, unless they made a deal where he could get out of that 90-day early, I don't think it can be Dolph. Since it can't be Dolph, what, Mercedes? Is it Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet? I mean, otherwise you go Sammy Callahan, and why the fuck did you advertise that? Yeah. Um, there are, th so there's like, five names that it could be. I think that, yes, there's absolutely ways around the the non-compete with Dolph Ziggler or Shelton Benjamin. 
as two talented guys you can add as complementary pieces to your roster. I think by announcing Kota Ibushi has officially signed, he, in a lot of ways, kind of eclipses a lot of people that it could be. Uh, it could be Mercedes Monet. Uh, that's a that's an absolute possibility, though. I have a feeling Sasha is going to want to see what shakes up with WWE because if Bailey is doing really well and Kyrie is back and the women's division is cooking, I think there's a spot there for her. Sammy Callahan would be a what the fuck. And then the fifth option that people, a lot of people seem to be thinking is that this is how they're going to announce they signed Osprey. But I kind of doubt that it's going to be Osprey. My, my money is that this is somehow they found a way to sign uh, Ziggler. Which doesn't yeah. feel again, like a again, huge the thing announcement. With Osprey is Osprey's contract with New Japan is up in January, right? And so to announce that would, I mean, it would just be an agreement that AEW and New Japan made, and then you know, moving forward, what you would see is Osprey in AEW more than in New Japan, but you'd still have to see him in New Japan because he's a champion currently. Um, so to you know to to sign him while he's a current champion elsewhere, and they have a Wrestle Kingdom match January fourth. Yeah, I don't see it happening, man. I mean, it could be Ali in terms of that's a guy that I would like to see on the roster, but I don't think that's someone that you go, oh, the you know wrestling fans around the world agree he's the, like, I I think he's one of the best, but yeah, the, this world renowned type of situation, I just go unless it's Mercedes, it's got to be Dolph. Or a disappointment. If it's not Mercedes and it's not Dolph, it's it's a head scratcher, man. I don't know that they need anybody right now. I think that's the no, they don't, obviously. There, there's just such a glut of talent with guys that they just don't do anything with. It's you're looking at this paper, if you're looking at this card, there's no Andrade that that's on here. There's no Miro that's on here. They they just they stockpile all of these wrestlers. And then don't do a lot with them. Um, the next match, uh, Chris Statlander, Julia Hart, Sky Blue. I just hope it's short. Um, yeah, I think look, uh, uh, Julia Hart and Sky Blue have had a good storyline. Um, I liked Willow in the storyline too. And I think if you're going to have these two in it, why not make it a four way? Just because who cares anyway? But I think that the story is. Julia Hart wins, and then Willow is the one who ultimately unseats her. I like that. I like that. Um, also, there's always the pot. Nah, because we thought we thought Sky Blue was gonna go with Julia anyway. I was gonna say Sky Blue would end up turning heel, but we thought that would happen two weeks ago. Statlander's a good champion, but at the same time, it's like TBS Championship has has not been, um, you know, a focus. So I. Yeah, I say Statlander retains, but maybe it is a way to give it to Julia Hart. I think it's a way to give it to Julia Hart without pinning Chris Statlander. Julia can pin Sky Blue by using her wacky, spooky powers. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, bring um, the powers in this match. And then bring back that Statlander as an alien. Remember when she was like an alien that first year? Yes, she was an alien with all the guys and best friends who are all still on the roster, who, by the way, are not part of this show with the exception of Orange Cassidy. Uh, next up is a four way for the AEW world tag team titles. This is another match that exists solely on collision. 
Uh, it's Ricky Starks and Big Bill, who, believe it or not, guys, are the tag team champions versus uh, La Faccion in Grenoble, which is uh, Roosh and Dragalistico uh, versus FTR versus, I don't even listen to their name now, Kings of the Black Throne, which is Malachi Black and Brody King. Yep. Who do, who do you got in this mess? Okay, hear me out. I, well, for the life of me, I do not know why Ricky Starks and uh, Big Bill are the champions. I, they I'm got still fucking nothing else that. to do with Ricky Starks. I know, but it felt, you know, when they lost it, you go, okay, because, um, what is it, Cash pulled out the gun on the highway, and you're thinking, yeah, okay, you still let them beat the Bucks at all in, but obviously they have to go away for a minute. That doesn't seem to be the situation at all. So I'm very confused. It does seem political as to what's going on with the tag titles at the moment, unless Tony is so out of his head. But here's my pitch. Um, Malachi Black and Brody were the longest reigning PWG tag team champions. Now, I didn't know this, right? I didn't. Um, But they are. And I didn't know this, that the, I guess, the guy who runs PWG. Well, no, I thought, was it? I guess it's not Excalibur anymore, but it was Excalibur. I wonder if it is Super Dragon. But somebody. It it was, it was always like a group of like, it was Super Dragon, Excalibur, Joey Ryan. uh, And like the Bucks were part of it. But yeah, I think it's Super Dragon's uh, promotion. Okay, well, one of the main guys, unless it is Super Dragon or somebody, their their partner or or yeah, their girlfriend is um is like is very sick with cancer, and so they've canceled PWG shows for the rest of the year. And this year they haven't run many because she's like super sick, and they're focusing on yeah. that. Um, because your tag team division is such a fucking mess, and nobody deserves those titles right now. Obviously, FDR do right, um, but nobody really does. Give it to Malachi. Give it to Brody. Acknowledge that they were the longest reigning PWG champions. Um, let them have some good tag matches because I know they can. And then let them eventually be, be dethroned by a by a team that you have focused on, that you have let us know are a, a functioning tag team. <laughs> uh, because there's plenty of them in AEW that you've just stopped acknowledging. Dude, like, why, why do I... The, the Los Ingo Brinables, uh faction that they have in AEW, it's fun enough. They have not established themselves as a tag team. They they established themselves as a group of guys on collision. But when I see Penta and um and Commander have the match they had on Dynamite, and I know Roosh and, and Drillistico aren't going to have those same types of tag matches, I don't want to see them even be a tag team, let alone win the tag team titles. So, yeah, I'm disheartened by the division. So let Brody and Malachi win. That's what I gotta say. Sorry, dude. I'm I'm no, hopped up on McDonald's coffee. Dude, I like it. Um, I'm uh, I had a Celsius before, so I'm all fired up here. Um, <laughs> I think it's got to be FTR, simply because FTR versus Heel Young Bucks is the best tag match they can give us. That would be slightly fresh and different than what we've seen before, because we have not seen the Bucks versus FTR with the Bucks as pure heels, have we? I don't think so. So there you go. It's that's a, a slightly fresh match, and it feels more important than Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And I I like the House of Black being the six man tag champs. Remember the six man tag titles? Those used oh to be god! A thing. Yeah, but are they, those being defended? Uh, yes, because they threw the acclaim through like plate glass window like a week ago, and they're now they're dead. 
Oh, uh, okay. Well, at least there's a reason why they're out. In the main event, Maxwell Jacob Friedman versus Jay White in a feud that I just can't even fathom people genuinely caring about. I'm guessing the big reveal here is maybe we'll find out who the devil is. Otherwise, this is a totally flat, uh, kind of pointless match to headline a show. I'm sure the match will be very good, but I I don't think I could care less. Yeah, I think the match is going to – I think it's going to blow people away. I think um, – but does that match? I mean, a lot of matches blow people away. MJF obviously wins. Shenanigans at the end. The fun part is – when Bullet Club Gold comes out to help Jay, who is going to help MJF? Um, it was the acclaimed a few weeks ago, but like you said, they got thrown through glass. So if Samoa Joe helps MJF earlier in the night, is he going to help him at the end of the night? And are there two other guys going to help him? And does the devil show up? I'm interested. I don't think you reveal the devil on a pay-per-view. I don't know the and I think if you have the devil come out in front of the crowd, um, in AEW, you run the risk of guy tripping and mask falling off. So then, by all means, let's either. have that. Look, I, I I still maintain that the devil is going to wind up being Ole Anderson, uh, and and I'm excited for it. I think that's going to be awesome. <laughs> I just I'm struggling to 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 really. Oh, I'm pumped for this pay-per-view, man. This pay-per-view is going to be fantastic. I think the pay-per-view will be an entertaining show. I just don't know where the hell they're going with any of this stuff, and it doesn't seem terribly engaging. It's it's going to be a great pay-per-view that feels like a great missable show. I feel like I could get the results of the – I'm like, I'm not, watch, I'll, I'm not watching the show live. I'm going out for dinner Saturday night, uh, so I'm not going to be watching this thing live. I will probably watch it at some point over the weekend through completely legitimate means. But, uh, thanks to me, (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, what I want to hear you talk about though, your high spot and low spot for the week. Oh, all right. Here's my high spot. My high spot. Very quick. Um, Zach Sabre jr. Fought speedball Mike Bailey at a new Japan show in Texas on last Friday night. Why do all your high spots feel like Mad Libs? Here is my <laughs> here is the high spot. New Japan posted the entire match on YouTube. Uh, and so you can watch it. It was from last week, and you oh, could nice. watch that in, that match in its entirety. New Japan will like flag you if you post a picture of a of a show they had on Twitter. So this is cool of them. A very recent match that is very good. That's my high spot. My low spot, hmm. Yeah, you know what? I will say that my low spot might be that they did not show any video footage of the GDT match that Jericho had. Um, I understand it's like a good grace thing to do, have Jericho go over to DDT, but if you're not going to show us footage, it doesn't benefit a storyline, and it doesn't benefit the fact that those guys busted their asses. That was a great match. Takeshita is an amazing singles wrestler, and I think if we checked, he's had like five singles matches this year. So show us highlights of an amazing singles match he had, which he did have uh, this last Sunday. So that's my low spot. Uh, My high spot, the WWE announced that Backlash in 2024 is going to take place in France. Uh, I just think it's cool. 
when they have these international pay-per-views in different places that have never gotten them before next year, they're doing elimination chamber in Germany. They're doing, um, I'm sorry. No, well, that was my fucking, that was my bad joke. I'm sorry. They're doing another pay-per-view in Germany. Uh, later in the year, they're doing elimination chamber in Australia. And now they're doing backlash in France. <laughs> I think this, the, the global expansion piece of it is, is a lot of fun and has a lot of value. And it's just cool for fans especially the European fans who are so rabid for anything wrestling related, uh, getting a chance to see that. I think that's going to be really fun for a pay-per-view that usually is just kind of like the leftovers from WrestleMania. Uh, my low spot is uh, Rey Mysterio out again with uh, knee surgery. Him and Santos Escobar were telling a really fun story. I feel like the match that we would have got with those guys was going to be great. Instead, it'll probably be Carlito as sort of the placeholder. But uh, Ray down with a knee injury, that kind of that kind of sucks. But he'll be back. He's always back. The dude is is just superhuman. It's weird to think that Ray Mysterio, Big Show, and Chris Jericho are still wrestling from like the Nitro era. Yeah, and, and you know, technology has gotten so good um, that when I hear Ray Mysterio is getting something done to his knee. I go, he might come back with the with better knees. Yes. Uh, so hopefully that's the case. Hopefully, you know, they give him some stem cells. He comes back doing backflips. Well, our show today is brought to you by stem cells. Uh I'm joking. We don't we don't do any of that sponsorship stuff here. We do this for the love of the game, Scott. But what else do you want to plug? Let's sponsor ourselves. Let's plug ourselves here. What do you want to? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to? What do you want to? Oh, what me, do you want to shill? Me, the man, me, my other podcast, Out for Smokes. Uh, you could check out that show. It drops every Friday. Uh, also, we have a Patreon for that, and the Patreon for this Russell Rose. Yes, we do. We have a Russell Rose Patreon. Uh, Pro Wrestling Tees is going to be doing their Black Friday sale, so that'll be coming up. We've got a bunch of shirts uh, up there on Pro Wrestling Tees, so uh, support us that way. Uh, again, uh, my my new show starting on November 27th, Monday through Friday at noon Eastern, a 30-minute a video podcast about the news of professional wrestling called Rumor and Innuendo as part of Podcast Heat and ad-free shows, which I don't know if you're aware of this, Scott. We're, we're part of ad-free shows. I've heard. Uh, who knew? But uh, what, what I know is we love getting to do this for you guys. Uh, we love getting to be here every week uh, and doing the Patreon. So on on behalf of Scott, Mike, Zach, Logan, Dan, and all of us here at WrestleRoast, best of luck in your future endeavors. And Scott, what do you want to say to the fine people? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Thanks, everyone. 